everyone, I'm Neve McMullen and welcome to the first ever podcast of the Mental Health Scoop. So, to give a little summary of myself, I'm in second year of psychology at Queen's and I'm a news team member of the Queen's Radio and I'm so delighted to have the opportunity to create my own podcast, especially because it's based on something that means so much to me and is so prominent today. So obviously some of the topics we'll be discussing are things that I've previously studied and researched throughout my course. So I'm hoping I'll be able to contribute by sharing some of the knowledge that I've gained over the past couple of years on top of the advice that the real experts will add when joining us on the show. So there's a slight chance you're going to click on this podcast and think, oh my goodness, Neve, like this is long enough. Is it going to be my time down the drain? Well, no, because mental health is not a topic that's ever going to be boring. Because even if you can't relate to it, or possibly you can, but in the past you're still going to learn something and may be able to use this new information and advice you've picked up to help someone you know that isn't a physician currently. So a reason awareness for mental health is literally the solid aim of this podcast. So that means when you're gaining information, you're raising awareness because you're gaining um, more knowledge on all the different issues that are out there. So on that note, I'd love to add that just because I have my own podcast solely based on mental health, this does not mean I don't have my own struggles. But I have established a way to deal with certain things, and that's simply by pursuing PMA, which is a term I'm going to refer to a lot on the podcast. PMA is positive mental attitude. It's all about how you deal with a problem. Don't get me wrong, I don't always use PMA at the very, very beginning of a problem, but I always try to fit it in somewhere. So I'll give you an example. So the other day, I arrived back at my student house after being at home home for a couple of nights. And I got to the door, and I realised that I was actually missing a key. And it wasn't just a normal key, it was the master key. So that means I couldn't get into my house or my bedroom. So eventually my friend let me in, thank you Cora. And I ran to about how unlucky I was for a good five minutes. And then I sat down and my mind was bulging with irrational thoughts. I was thinking things like, oh my goodness, the landlord's going to dislike me. Like we're never going to get a house ever, ever again. When in reality, that was just never going to happen. So that's when the PMA kicked in. I accepted the issue and became rational by saying, if my key is lost, there's nothing I can do about it. So what's the the worst possible outcome that could come? And that was basically just that I'd have to pay pay for a replacement. And even though it's not ideal, is there people experiencing worse problems? Absolutely. So I was able to convert a problem into reality just by accepting it and trying to instill a positive outlook. And I'm using this kind of example for the podcast because this practice can be used for nearly any issue or even to lift a little bit of despair surrounding one that can't be fixed. So we can apply PMA to today's topic on the podcast, which is all the issues surrounding coronavirus. So yes, it is a constant disappointment because it's holding us back from doing things that we love. But can we change it? No. So we just accept it. Accepting that we can't do anything about it is having a positive attitude rather than complaining about how boring or annoying the whole situation is. And perhaps you'll be able to motivate yourself and use your time resourcefully instead of, you know, being in the dumps. So have a little think about that. But back to the podcast, in terms of what to expect every single week, I'm hoping to address one topic per show. So it's going to begin with an issue that hopefully some students can relate to. And then from here, we'll be chatting to someone who can speak on the issue from experience and then follow that by someone who has advice and professional knowledge on the topic. And today, we are discussing problems deriving from coronavirus, even though there's about a million. But the impact that we are going to be focusing on is is anxiety. So... We'll be hearing from Alana Hagen, um, her personal experience on um, isolation. And then following from that um, will be Matthew Taylor, who is the co-founder of Pure Mental NI. And he's joining us to speak on the mental health issues surrounding the virus. 
Then we'll finish up by giving a few details on who's available for you to contact if you feel that you can relate or you maybe need to seek some help. So this advice will be shared by the Queen's Students' Union Welfare Officer, Katie Nakera. So before we get into the interviews, even though some of you listeners may be aware of the condition or even have experienced it, I'm going to summarise the general idea of anxiety. So it is defined as feelings of worry, nervousness or unease, typically about something that has an uncertain outcome. So that is why there is such a link between anxiety and coronavirus, because we don't know how or when it's going to end. So the fear of the unknown is causing us to panic. I'm going to list a few of the symptoms of anxiety, and the ones I've chosen are ones you may not have known are actually common symptoms. These are chest pains, heart palpitations, headaches, sweating, stomach aches, abdominal pain, sore, tense muscles, trouble sleeping, trouble focusing, and even forgetfulness. So if you can relate or you experience some of these symptoms regularly, it's important to be aware that you're not actually alone because globally, one in 13 people actually suffer from anxiety. And the WHO reports that anxiety disorders are actually the most common mental disorder in the world. So in relation to COVID, the number of people reporting high levels of anxiety has sharply elevated. And according to a government survey, nearly half of students in the UK suffer from anxiety problems because of the the pandemic. And that's why I've decided to use it for the first um, topic, for the first episode. Um, We're going to address the problem and together we're going to try and think of ways to be able to conquer the issue. So more relevant to student life, Young Minds carried out a survey and revealed 80% of respondents agreed that their mental health actually became worse since the pandemic. I mean, everyone in some way has to adjust to these dramatic changes in things like their education, their employment, and their routine, and even their home life. So obviously this change of routine encourages feelings of discomfort and raises stress levels. From here, the anxiety begins to increase. And as you all know, social isolation is extremely difficult. And this is literally because we are all a social species. And as humans have evolved, our whole life has been based around social interaction. So face-to-face interaction is literally one of the best ways to express our emotions to each other. And when this is cut out, we are doing essentially what the name states. We are isolating from our social self. So we're going to discuss a little bit about that. And I'm going to now introduce you to Alana Hagen, a fellow student who is going to discuss her experience of isolation and if she faced any difficulties and the ways and the things she did to try and get through them. So perhaps they may help you. So Alana, welcome to the Mental Health Scoop. You told me that you came into contact with someone with the virus and that motivated you to get tested. And once you tested positive, you were actually asymptomatic, isn't that right? Uh, so yeah, I'd be, I had previously been in contact with someone that had tested positive and although I was asymptomatic, I thought it would be best to get tested because I had elderly family members at home that were living with me. So I just thought it'd be best just to help them as well. Yeah, so you were just thinking of other people sort of before yourself. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I did as well whenever I caught the virus. And just letting you all know, I actually had the virus too. <laughs> so how long were you in isolation for, Alana? So I ended up being in isolation for a total of 10 days. Um, and before you, um, well, whenever you did find out that you had the virus, did you have any previous mental health struggles that kind of worried you whenever you found out you were going to be stuck indoors for a couple, well, a week or so? Yeah, well, obviously isolation is challenging in everyone's mental health, but I just found it particularly worrying because I'd previously been affected by suicide twice in the past few years. So having such trauma at such a young age, it did have a negative impact on my mental health. So obviously it was just going to be worrying for me sitting in a room for that length of time. Yeah, especially because like whenever you suffer in that in that kind of way, the best thing for you to be able to do is to be able to socialise and take it off your mind. So obviously whenever you're in a house, 
you're sort of thinking about certain things that worry you a bit more than usual. Um, so do you think it did have a negative impact on your mental health? Like, did your anxiety increase? There were certain days I found harder than others and I just found myself quite overwhelmed sometimes. It just, I think it was the fact that I was just staring at the same four walls for 10 days straight. It was obviously just going to have a negative impact on me. Yeah, definitely. And did you experience any symptoms of anxiety? I just find myself very overwhelmed quite often and just quite lonely and I just felt like I was both physically and emotionally drained. Yeah, and like... That anxiety, did it, did it like have anything to do with actually the worry of leaving your house once you had caught the virus? Uh, I think I was just delighted to finally leave the house, but mm. there's always just the fear of other people looking negatively towards you and like not wanting to come near you after it. So that just ha- does have negative impacts on your thoughts and feelings as well. Yeah, 100%. And I remember like whenever I had finished my, well, I was coming to the end of it, I was constantly kind of worried like that's what increased my anxiety it was the fact that like I couldn't do it another time I don't think I could isolate in that kind of like situation for another 10 days and that's what worried me I was like oh my goodness like I think I'm going to be so scared whenever I eventually get back out again but I mean like I'm, I'm okay now <laughs> obviously but um whenever you were isolating did you receive like any support Alana? Uh, to be honest the best support the best support that I received was from my family. They were just always good with me, knowing the trauma I'd been through. And then I just had my friends in my flat and they were just there just to help me whenever yeah. I needed them. Yeah, well, well, that's good, yeah. And um, have you ever made use of the welfare services at Queen's? And if you did, did you ever find them helpful? So yeah, I made use of their counselling services. And for me personally, they were extremely beneficial. And I would definitely recommend them to anyone who is experiencing any mental health issues. Yeah, so like that was... Um, like confidential and everything wasn't it yeah, yeah they're completely confidential did you use the counseling services yeah the yeah. counseling services and was that like a, a system that you could do and use as much as you wanted to or was there it was like booked appointments or yeah so they give you a certain amount of slots to try and mm-hmm. sort yourself out through those times and they just let you organize whatever time suits you best and they come in and just help you with the issues that you need oh that's good well just relating back to um your isolation what um just for advice for the people that are listening and um, what did you do to keep yourself occupied like what was the things that helped you through it so personally for me I just felt focusing on my university work was just the best thing and then just setting myself set myself tasks and goals to complete each day and that just kept me occupied throughout the day mm-hmm. so that's the kind of advice that you'd like to share and um, for people that are isolating yeah yeah definitely Okay, well, Alana, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I appreciate how it can be a bit difficult to get personal to me and especially all the listeners, but I'm sure there is a lot of people that can relate to the experiences, um, especially the ones you've had. And I'd like to say that to the listeners, if you can relate, we have Matthew and Katie on next, and they're going to advise you um, with some additional advice um, and important context if you feel like you may benefit from some of the sport that maybe Alana has experienced. So moving on now, we are joined with Matthew Taylor, who set up the mental health charity Pyramidal NI at the age of 17 with his friend Jay. Now, I personally think this is phenomenal, Matthew, and because especially as you were such a young age, can you tell us a little bit about Pyramidal and what it stands for? Well, first of all, um, thank you very much for having me on. Um, it's a big opportunity and I really appreciate that. So, You're welcome. You. Um, well, I suppose um, what pure mental stands for is giving giving those students that were that haven't had a voice before a voice in in politics in 
among in their own school community and among like I suppose the wider community as a whole here, um, which I think is obviously very important. Um, but mainly it's for them to have a platform to talk about their own mental health, their own experiences. Um, that's kind of where I was coming from from that whenever I saw it. Yeah, especially because at such a young age, it's better to to know that you can speak out, um, especially mm-hmm. um, whenever like you're before you start adolescence, which is the time period whenever mental health issues really start to develop. So what was it that made you and Jay set it up at such a young and a difficult age, especially because you probably had exams and different things at school and things like that. So they were, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so we started in August of last year um, when we were finishing our... ASs. Um, finishing ASs, yeah. And then, well, um, a lot of our friends and family had struggled with mental health issues. Um, they got very little support from their community. And mm-hmm. a lot of my friends had had mental health issues and didn't get much support from school. And I'd include myself in that as well. But um, I suppose we just thought to ourselves that it had got to the stage where we couldn't let it sit and happen on our watch anymore. Yeah. If nobody else was going to do anything. Yeah, like it, did, we sort of had to. You, yeah, you didn't want other people to experience, to try. Yeah, experience other, yeah. the things that you were going through sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and in relation to coronavirus, you're actually isolating now, are you? Yes, um, I am. I think it's like I'm in the at-risk category for COVID, so I've just got to be very careful with where I'm going yeah. and sort of thing. And how have you so, found your experience? Yeah, I think I've left the house like 10 times since March, which is oh great. But um, to begin with, I, I was sort of in my element because I'm quite an introvert, but I like to like just sit and get work done. So yeah. I got a lot of work done in the first yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah. But, so you were um, you were able to keep yourself motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that, I worked. A... Uh, yeah, I worked a lot more during quarantine than I did at school, which is weird. Mm-hmm. I sort of just sat and I just constantly, I was constantly doing something. Yeah, um, well, that was the I same as me. Give myself some time off. Whenever I um, had coronavirus as well, I I actually. Like it was demotivating at the start, but then whenever you realise that you've accepted the problem and you really can't do anything about yeah. it, you do, you do, mm-hmm. you have a kick and you're like, I need to do something and it'll make time yeah. go faster. So um, did you find it me- mentally testing when you were, like have you been sort of isolating since March? Um, for the most part, not really, because I just kept myself so busy. Mm-hmm. But the last few weeks I certainly have, it's been really like really difficult because sort of like that loneliness factor is kicking in and it's like you can't see your friends you can't see anybody and it's getting to the stage where it's a bit daunting of like how long is this going to go on for um because obviously with uni there's a lot more stress with that now than yeah. when I was just working on pure mental it's sort of there's just a lot going on at the minute yeah and that's sort of yeah and, and yeah. also obviously a lot of your friends are able to like go out and sort of socialize mm-hmm. whereas you were stuck yeah, yeah understanding it like that's the hard part is being lonely and you sort mm-hmm. of you sort of can maybe get demotivated just because of that element so yeah. um with um the work you do for pure mental and i and the research you do surrounding it did you see there was a correlation between an increase in mental health issues with coronavirus i i that's a tough question i think um that perhaps maybe not an increase in in issues but 
the intensity of the issues has probably increased yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that a lot of I was looking at um some young minds survey statistics and things, and they're saying that um the same issues are coming up, but it's just more the intensity of it. It's more because of coronavirus. Like, because kids are going to have anxiety, but they're having more anxiety than they would normally, basically. Yeah, and that's kind of in relation but to. I think there is definitely. Yeah, definitely. And and see with Finn Kitson, the, the Manchester student, he did have um, anxiety before he passed away. So as again, that's what you're saying. It, it actually, his anxiety obviously increased just because of the, the isolation and the whole element of being on his own. Um, so mm-hmm. I, com- I completely agree with you. And, and do you think there's any way we can try preventing the increase? I think I can only really speak from my own experience of this, but... Yeah trying to stay in touch with your friends as much as you can even if it's for me it's virtual because my friends can go out but I sort of like I'm not really allowed to so what we did was have like um online quizzes that sort of thing like try and stay in touch if we can yeah and like there's nothing to talk about but it's still nice to see them yeah like anyway so that's what I've been doing yeah and just there's some just practicing like you're breathing, practicing, like staying in the moment and going, like going on walks with your family and stuff really helps as well. Keeping so active, yeah. Exercise is a big element, I think. I find that during lockdown and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And do you have any recommended contacts um, for people that maybe need emergency help? Because I am focusing a lot on students with Queens, but I know you probably have a more of awareness of things mm-hmm. outside the student life. So do you have any um, major contacts? Yeah. Um. Well... Obviously, the main ones would be Childline, Young Minds, those sort of like national helplines, that sort of thing. But one thing that I could offer is if you live in the Lisburn and Castlereagh area, um, we are part of this um, Youth Stay Connected program, which offers online counselling for free during COVID for um, any young person in that area. But I, I don't know if it's just there. It could be across other areas, but I know it is in Lisburn and Castlereagh for sure. Oh, well, that's great. Well, I'm sure a lot of people didn't know about that. And, and just before you go, I'd like to mention that you're actually currently running a, a GoFundMe page for Pure Mental and I, and that's raising funds yep. for your outreach and skills. Um, and that'll have a great impact. Do you mm-hmm. want to speak about like a little bit about what that entails? Um, so we have we originally had a, um, a goal of a thousand pounds, which is for, and oh. um, you know, the basic sort of supplies and things. So we've hit that a couple of days ago. And now any anything over that will go directly into school committees that we have, um, which are like student-led groups run by students in their own school, which do, you know, sort of like um, research projects. They raise money for mental health charities. They raise funds for, for us, all sorts of things like that. Um, so that's where the re- that's any additional funding will go in there. So that's... So yeah, um, I'm going to put a wee article up on um, the Queen's Radio, so um, I'll definitely link that um, for people to get in touch with that kind of thing. And also, I'm just going to mention again that you have a little podcast that you run with your team, and it's called the Pure Mental Podcast, and it covers a broad range yeah. of mental health issues. So everyone mm-hmm. that's listening, I really recommend you to have a listen yeah. to that because everyone in it is brilliant. So Matthew, thank you so much for joining us on the first ever show of Mental Health Skip. I know it was a wee bit rough at the thank start, you. but um, keep doing what you're doing, please, because you're doing such a great job. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me as well. So lastly, we have Katie McClare, the Welfare Officer at the Student Union. Um, it's great to have you on the show, Katie. We are just going to go and discuss a few things that the Student Union have running 
um, that the students at Queen's can avail of. So, Katie, you are the welfare officer at the Student Union. Can I ask what your duty entails? Yeah, so as the welfare officer in Queen's Students Union, it's my job to represent students to the university on the, all of their welfare needs. So that's anything from mental health, well-being, sexual health, accommodation, um, really anything you can think of to do with welfare. It's my job to represent you. Okay, that's great. So it's, it just literally covers any single aspect at Queen's then and people can get in touch with you about anything sort of thing? Pretty much. Yeah, well that's great. So what kind of support do you um, at the SU provide for students isolating? We have a couple of things that we're running at the moment, and I suppose there's two real strands to this. So we would have our physical support in terms of our care packages. So we have isolation honesty boxes available for students who are in isolation in the private accommodation sector. Yeah. Um, the link's on the website if you just pop on. And, and what, what kind of things does that the honesty box include? Yeah, so that's, there is a list of 32 items and you can pick 10 out of that oh. and it's all free of charge and you'll get it delivered to your house. Um, so that's funded by the Students' Union. So you just pick out of that what kind of you think you need out of that. And if yeah. there's anything additional you think you need, um, you can add that to the bottom of the form as well. Oh my gosh, that's brilliant. So and that's, then you also have like a virtual cafe, isn't it? Yes. So that would be the kind of wellbeing mental health support side yeah. then. We're running a virtual wellbeing cafe. So that's every Tuesday from two to four on Microsoft Teams. Um, it's a drop-in session, so anyone can pop in and just have a wee informal chat with myself and any other students that are on there. Yeah. So that started last week. Um, we did have some minor tech issues, but we're getting <laughs> that sorted this week. Um, and honestly, I really enjoyed it. It was just two hours of chatting with people. And, yeah. and it's a really friendly, good way to, you know, get to know other people as and well. And do you know what? I thought it was actually brilliant because, you know, there's obviously going to be first-year students that didn't get the, like, the sort of social aspect that most do whenever they go to first year. So, like, that there kind of thing, if they're isolated at home, they actually have the ability to go on and meet new people, which absolutely. I think is absolutely brilliant. So I'll definitely be there on Tuesday next week anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any advice for the students who are either um, on their own in accommodation, perhaps if they've moved from another country and don't have the ability to travel back, but their housemates have returned home due to the the pandemic restrictions so they're basically on their own so it's obviously going to be hard for them do you have any services maybe that maybe would be beneficial for them if they're on their own? yeah I do think you know for that isolation aspect that can be really really difficult and loneliness so I do would recommend getting involved you know in things like virtual well-being cafe yeah. and we also have like so many clubs and societies that people can get involved in and really engage with others on a more practical aspect, if there's any like concerns about the house or renting, those kind of things, we have an advice team in the Students' Union, mm -hmm. so they can be contacted at studentadvice.qub.ac.uk with any of your questions, and they'll be able to help out and give guidance on that as well. Okay, brilliant. And can you explain um, if there is any differences between the student guidance and wellbeing services at Queen's in comparison to the SU welfare services? Yeah, so there is a difference. Um, okay. So the wellbeing team in Queen's, their whole department um, offers counselling. They have trained wellbeing advisors. So they're really there for your mental health support and, and they're trained to deal with that. Here in the Students' Union, we have an advice service that is absolutely fantastic, but they advise more so on things like money, accommodation, um, you know, any academic query, stuff like that. Um, so if it's kind of a more of a mental health problem that you're experiencing and you're seeking more of that professional health, do go to the Student Guidance and Wellbeing Centre, um, any other kind of queries like that um, to do with anything else really um, can go to Student Advice. But if you're not sure where to go, you can contact myself and I can signpost you in that right direction. Or if you contact either of the other services, they will point you to the other if necessary. So you can just reach out to any of them. Okay, 
Perfect. And I know this is just a week recap and we've already spoken about quite a lot of them, but can you give a rundown on the services that are available from the SU for support and advice? Yes, absolutely. So we've got our student officer team, um, first of all. So there are six of us and we all have different remits and we are there to support students as well as working on like big policy issues. Um, so if you have like a specific issue that's going on in your course, um, whether that's academic, if you have any welfare concerns, um, if you have ideas for campaigns, how you want to get involved, any equality and diversity issues, do get in touch with us. Um, we work on the policy level. We represent your needs to the university, you know, at really top levels, and we would have influence there. And um, you know, that's kind of our role. Then um, on the other side, then we would have our advice team. So they would deal with the individual student queries that come through about all those things I've really already mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and they can work with individual students on disciplinaries as well. Okay, great. And just in relation to isolation, have you noticed, well, isolation and all the sort of mental health issues surrounding the virus, have you noticed an increase in the issues of services? I think there has been an increase in, in many of the services available. Um, but I also think that that's partly because we've changed how we work. Um, our services are probably more accessible now than, okay. than ever before because they're all virtual. Yeah. Um, there are our students with so many broad, such a broad range of queries now because everybody's li living in different places yeah. and the move to online teaching and stuff would have caused a lot of, a lot of queries in the initial turn in March and also now again that we're back online. Um, so yeah, there's definitely an in increase and that'll probably increase as we go into winter as well. Yeah, and I actually agree with that because there was a lot of things I actually didn't know like Queen's had going for them like in my first year and it was only until I went into lockdown that I actually went onto the website, looked at everything and I was learning. I actually found out about Queen's Radio through that um, during lockdown. So I can actually see why um, the virtual learning aspect has actually helped with things like that, which is great. Yeah. And I'd just like to finish off the email just to, um, to use if you're unsure on what services to go to if you do need advice is the student advice um, at qub.ac.uk, isn't it? Yes, so that's the email for our advice service. Mm -hmm. But you can also contact me and my email is su.welfare at qub.ac.uk. So okay. that's the two main contacts in here. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that. I'm actually so glad to be able to cover that because personally last year as a first year student, I wasn't actually aware of all the services that were available to us. But I want to emphasise that any time you do get in touch to any of the services, it will all remain confidential. And no matter how little or large the problem is, it's better speaking out than not at all. So Katie, thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of the Mental Health Skip. And hopefully it won't be the last time as well. Absolutely. I'd be glad to come back anytime. <laughs> okay, right. Thank you so much. So guys, that is us coming to an end of the very first episode of the Mental Health Skip. So it's no secret how difficult dealing with a pandemic is and all the changes that accompany it. But it's important to remember eventually that we will see the end of it. So between now and then, try and include PMA in all the hard times that you meet. So listen to the advice from our guests and please use the contacts if you feel that you need support. So my social accounts are all public. So if you ever want to drop me a message, I'll always be here and that will obviously remain um, confidential. And I'm going to add a little for Winfrico because I'm because she's also a big believer in PMA. So the greatest discovery of all time is that a person can change their future just by changing their attitude. I mean, it's all about the PMA. That's what I'm saying. If you want to sail through life and to have as little as problems as you want and make everything a little bit easier for you, trying to instill a positive attitude is the main thing you can do for that. So 
I'm going to fin finish to thank Emma, Thomas and Dara for all the much needed help. <laughs> and thank you to all my lovely guests and all my listeners. And I'll see you next week on the Mental Health Scoop.